Hello and welcome to Always in Escrow with Serena Appel and Colby Burchin. Hello, Colby. Hello, Serena. I am beyond excited to introduce one of my very best dear friends and one of the most brilliant minds in business that I know. Deborah Strugo. She is a fitness industry thought leader and founder of Row House and now assists early stage companies. With a focus on health and fitness, she brings experience from tourism, hospitality, and digital publishing to her work. Deborah's expertise enriches her advisory roles and industry contributions, making her a valuable asset in the wellness space. Deborah, welcome to our show. Thank you so much. The first thing we have to say, though, is that we've been friends since we are, what, four years old, Serena? Yes. Um, I think I was five, but um, around there, we were in the very, we were very young. And, you know, with the help of our moms, who were, are also very good friends, we maintained a friendship through our elementary school years. And then we came back together to be in college together. And um, now you get to, well, we get to share, you know, our journey as mothers and entrepreneurs and so much more. So where did I come into the mix? I mean, I know Deborah since, you know, I think 16, 15. Right. Well, Deborah was, you know, my friend through all those years. And Colby comes along in middle school. And, um, you know, we all, all of our kind of paths merged uh, along the way. So Colby, I don't know if you know this about our friendship, but um, yes, Serena was five. I was four because I'm the young side of the year. And um, do you know that Serena's middle initial is M? My parents gave me uh, and my sister a letter and not a name. And my letter was M and I was allowed to pick whatever middle name I wanted growing up. So Colby, so here's my fun fact about Serena. So that M name changed throughout the years, okay? So at one point it was Serena Mercedes and then it became... Serena Madonna. And so today I am here in my Madonna shirt in honor of Serena Madonna, who we have called her dearly for years. We used to also walk up and down the mirrors in my living room growing up singing Madonna songs. And recently they all went to see Madonna in her, you know, glorious prime old age tour now without me. So um, anyway, that's one fun fact that I just wanted to share today about Serena Madonna. That's Unbelievable. You see, Serena, I didn't know that about you. How could that be? Oh, well, I guess I don't share that story all the time. Thank you for bringing it back, Deborah. So, Colby, I know this about you. You are super upbeat and always smiling. And every time I've seen you through the years, whether it was 15 or 16 or whatever, that smile is like radiant. And that's how I think of Serena, too, because we just talk on the phone and she's the person in my life that just brings me upbeat all of the time. So my smiley face hat is devoted to the two of you. Ah, you're the best. Definitely brings a smile to my face and I enjoy all of our conversations. Thank you. You guys are very upbeat. So tell us, can you share a little bit about your upbringing in New York City and how it influenced your passion for fitness? 
Yes, absolutely. So growing up in Manhattan, I, you know, still call it kind of the concrete jungle a little bit and um, great place. So many wonderful people, such great energy, but really kind of lacking, at least where I was going to school at the Bronx High School of Science in sports teams and athletics. And so I found myself kind of in the gym on East 86th Street um, doing step classes. And that was fun. And there were a couple of us that got together after school or on a Sunday to do step and slide and body pump and all of those things back in the day. Um, so that was just natural for me. I didn't play lacrosse or you know anything like that. I wasn't a dancer. I do like to dance at a club, but I'm not a dancer otherwise. Um, and so that's kind of how I got into the fitness industry. It felt really good and fun after a day's work. Um, you know, Serena and I were actually two of the lucky ones graduating college where we had jobs straight after school and it was a nine to five grind in that, you know, kind of industry age, if you will. Um, but, you know, that was my, how I disconnected from the day. I went to the gym. I taught a class ultimately because if you taught, you would show up. If I just took, I had 50,000 other things to do or reasons, you know, to not go. So I realized that pretty quickly, like I could get paid to do it. I could actually show up and have fun and meet a ton of people along the way. And that's how I kind of got into the fitness industry as a side hustle. I remember the first class that you ever taught. I believe it was your first spin class and I was there and I had the pleasure of, of being, you know, part of this journey all the way through. Well, thank you, Serena Madonna. Um, yes, listen, I was really, really fortunate to have great friends that supported me and I appreciate you for that. That was huge that you guys showed up late. Kobe, they showed up at like 6 a.m. They showed up, you know, on 125th Street, like <laughs> wherever those like early first classes were. They told me they liked my playlists. Like I really appreciated that because I definitely stepped out of my comfort zone to do this. Let's start there. Like I definitely stepped outside of my comfort zone to do this. And I think it created a whole different side of, you know, me and my personality that I didn't have prior. So I, my friends being there for me was everything. Okay. So I know a little bit about your journey with Row House. Can you tell us how Row House really began and, and that whole process, how you started on to create this incredible group fitness program? Thank you. Well, yeah. And you know what I think it is? Like, if you really boil it down, I had a lot of ambition with regards to creating a brand. I saw a need in the fitness market for something that was a different cardio opportunity. And I had the support of Eric, my husband, to go out and do it. So all of those things combined, kind of like the ambition, the pain point that we were going to solve in creating a brand, which I had been a part of great brands from New York City to all those Scripps brands, Peanuts and Dilbert and all of those guys, um, and, and even the Crunch brands and the Equinox brands. And then to then have the support of like your community around you, those were kind of the reasons that I wanted to embark on, on doing this crazy thing. And I set myself on a goal, like this is going to be like the brand in the rowing space and, and just figured out how to do it along the way. And so it was really, I think, 
exciting and hard. Serena, you know, like a roller coaster. This was true entrepreneurship, right? You know, like crazy things happens along the way. Most recently the pandemic, but before that, different things. You know, there was a huge class pass dependency for the industry. We bottomed out. Um, there is just so many, you know, having instructors that you treat like family and then they leave and like the betrayal, you know, just like things like that and, and problems with your landlords. I mean, there's just the ups and downs and ups and downs. So I think that, um, overarchingly, like I knew where I was going and what we wanted to do. And that was to ultimately create a brand that was known, um, and maybe to go do other things. And that was my guiding light to ultimately deciding to partner with Exponential, which was like essentially our first investor into the business. Um, otherwise, we were bootstrapped and to bring it to more of a household name. I really am inspired by this journey that you decided to take. I mean, it's it's so incredible that you had a vision, you made it all happen. Um, I really have had a seat as your cheerleader. I mean, I've been, I was there when you were um, inducted into the, the Goldman Sachs um, business program. Do you remember me um, yes. screaming and, and uh, cheering for you? I think I brought you flowers to celebrate. And, you know, and then along the way, right? You know, your openings, your, your first studios that you opened, you know, seeing the logo creation. I mean, it was just, it, it was just incredible. Well, and Serena, you always brought such an interesting perspective too, because I mean, Serena's just so amazing. And Colby, I'm sure you, you know, agree and relate and reaffirm this all the time, but in just kind of like PR and positioning and just how to rally people and, you know, and so, I mean, honestly, Serena, you're, you're like one of my two bestest friends, right? Like I've gotten so much of that in me from you too. And so when we talk, it's like that aspect of just like, what I've been trying to do in a sort of way, like we just jive on that. And a lot of this stuff, like creating a brand, galvanizing a community around you, like all that type of stuff. It's about storytelling and press and communications. And I mean, it's so natural and endemic to you, but, you know, I think from my, from a career standpoint, like it's something that I've needed in that, like, and, and done. Um, but also in life, it's just like a really good quality to have to like connect people and pull people together. And you're, you, she's just amazing at that. Right. Colby. This is why I wanted to do the podcast with her. I knew doing it with Serena would have a whole different light on it. And it was the best thing I ever did. I knew, I knew it was, you know, the perfect partnership. Wow. I'm so, blushing. Thank you, besties. <laughs> um, so how have you seen the industry evolve over the years? What trends do you think, you know, shape its future? What's going on with the industry? Yeah, we were just talking about this the other day. So I was um, in a uh, Connected Health and Fitness Summit, which is really about like the innovation of the industry. And it's all of all of the biggest brands, like the CEOs, founders of every brand, you know, you know, from Soul to Berries to Solid Core, you know, some of the big boutiques, OB Fitness, um, Strava, Aura, you know, so like the the wearables, the connecteds, um, 
all those guys. And then uh, like Gainful, you know, so a lot of these people have become kind of my friends and we all get together and kind of talk about like the trends and the the direction that everything um, is going. And so we were talking about how, you know, about 10 to 15 years ago, obviously like wearing athleisure was a new thing. Um, and growing a boutique fitness was a new thing. And really prior to that, the industry was more about like, kind of like the whole sex sells, like what you look like is the thing. And then really we've gotten into, especially with COVID, it was a big kind of loud microphone moment to say, this isn't about only like looking good. This is also about feeling good and the mental health aspect of things. Right. And so I actually am on the the health and fitness industry, the URSA board for advocacy. And we found even at the governmental level, there was this feeling that like gyms and fitness was about meatheads, like, and nobody was really, really connecting the mental health side of it. So I think the emerging of like yoga and all that type of stuff brings the mindfulness side, but independent of that, like anything you can go row, you can go work out with, you know, iron and you're still there for mental health reasons and for connection and for community and to stay clear of isolation. So that's a huge trend, Colby, like in the past, you know, 10 years or so that we've really shifted from like physical, what, what it looks like to like what it looks like, what it feels like and what your community brings to you. And then now where we're at is really kind of that customization and connection from either an AI standpoint, so, um, you know, really serving people's needs or and or the whole wearable standpoint, right? So like, what is my body actually doing now? I've been really into hot yoga lately, but is it helping my HRV, which is my wellness score? Like, is it? Like, who knows, right? Like, so connecting it through to your actual, like, well-being and incorporating the other things that are related. So the nutrition and the sleep. And so as we move forward, I think the, the fitness industry really is about wellness and health and how all of these things, nutrition, recovery, fitness, sleep, all of it, um, affect, you know, a human being and make you feel like your best self in the end. So that's the trends and what I think, what I know all of the big brands are really thinking about as they continue. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can remember very early on, you were taking very good care of yourself. I mean, it was like, you know, your skin, your body, your food, you know, you, you were really tapping into interesting doctors. Um, you know, where was that guidance coming? Was that intuition? for you? Yeah. Like healthy eating kind of became a get preservative, kill the soda, get preservatives out sort of thing. And I drink tequila. Okay. A lot of it. (laughs) And wine, rosé. But yeah, it's like your vices, right? Like what are the the balance? I guess I always kind of sought balance a bit. Well, as a um, expert in tequila, because I've had the... um, privilege of working with many of the top tequila brands in our country and traveling to Mexico and kind of knowing even the science behind tequila. Tequila is like more of a happy, energizing type of alcohol. Not to mention, I just want to say that I'm now in this non-alcoholic space and I'm sipping on a new non-alcoholic reposado that is really satisfying and has no alcohol in it. And that's, that's been interesting too. 
Wow. I didn't know there was a non-alcoholic Reposado. Yep. I drink, uh, it's by Free Spirits and um, I'll make sure that you can get a bottle because I'd love for you to taste it. Wow. Yeah. I had a dinner party the other night and somebody brought a whole case of athletic brewing. Oh yes. One of my, one of my clients, athletic brewing, the um, fastest emerging non-alcoholic beer company that really was an honor to be um, on their team as they were ascending into this incredible mainstream world and paving the path for non-alcoholic beverages and um, kind of even switching, switching up what, how, and, and removing stigmas about not drinking alcohol, but still being in a social setting. So, um, and now I'm working with um, a bunch of other great non-alcoholic brands, wine, beer, spirits, um, talking to new companies that are emerging and having the opportunity to taste some of the best I've ever tried. You do share a, um, so a common thread with another one of the guests from our show, Alan Juan, you travel with your espresso machine. And let's just talk about that for a minute. So he told us that he travels with a 60 pound espresso. No, no. And that he, when he lands wherever he is, he finds the coffee there or the espresso there. Which you told me, and I that defeats the entire purpose for me. <laughs> no, crazy. but you do it right. You you um have it accessible. I've had the pleasure of being in a hotel room with <laughs> Deborah, just being able to like roll out of bed and pop a pot in. And exactly, I don't go searching for the beans at that moment. <laughs> no, but are you still traveling with your espresso machine, Deborah? less frequently, Serena, I've become less OCD on that. Um, yeah, it just, it just gets your day started right. Right. Like get up, That's have the exact amount. Yes. And go from there. There was, a, I was, uh, in DC on Capitol Hill doing something for the industry. And there was like this whole story about how the hotel wasn't open in time to get my morning espresso. I didn't bring it on the trip. The hotel wasn't open in time. The Starbucks had the line throughout the whatever, whatever. The bus was leaving to go to the hill. They didn't want to leave me behind. And then the wonderful guy that was organizing the bus was like, oh, Deborah, I forgot something. And he's like, if you want to stay behind, you can da, 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 go to the Starbucks. It'll be open in 10 minutes. And it turned out he didn't forget anything. He also wanted coffee. <laughs> so he kind of like, but imagine I had spent the whole day on the hill without any espresso. Like it, that idea made me crazy. So anyway, it worked out in that moment. I didn't have my espresso machine. And that's when I kind of stopped traveling with my espresso machine. But when I can, I do. And now you've um, landed some fractional leadership roles. Can you explain what it means to serve in these leadership roles and how you balance these roles with your other commitments? Yes. Well, it comes from the page of, you know, the ship must sail, right? And that's the whole tie-in on the espresso, like wake up, get it done, right? So fractional, fractional, I love it. I work on a couple of different things. Um, right now I'm working on a really innovative um, technology tool to help 
better monetized communities um, within the wellness in industry and charitable stuff, which is very, very different than helping another emerging franchisor grow their business, similar to how I grew Row House, which is very, very different than the projects I'm working on with a professional football player bringing a wearable to the youth fitness market, right? And I have some other stuff interwoven into all of that. Um, I do brand speaking and brand development for emerging boutiques. So I, I work in a fractional capacity because I really enjoy different disparate type projects. Probably the same thing if you were in an agency working for different you know, on different accounts, Serena, which you obviously have experience doing. Um, but so I, I like that. But yeah, you know, it basically means that I have to kind of like split up my time and come up with some sort of cost or, you know, in a lot of cases I'm doing advisor kind of equity relationships with people because I'm looking to really help them grow their business, not just kind of come in as a consultant and walk out. Um, and so, you know, figuring that whole piece out is, is, you could say complicated. Some people have an art behind it. Really for me, I just want to make enough money that I'm comfortable and have upside in things. And then at the end of the day, do projects with people that I really like that I feel like are innovative and pushing the industry forward. And I think it's the same for you and Colby. Like we've just really been the people who have figured out how to really truly enjoy our occupations um, and bring kind of our qualities that we love, like to our day to day. And I, I'm always looking to inspire other people to do that. So if this is a moment to tell people to think outside of the box on, you know, that typical, like, I'm an attorney, I'm a da -da 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 -da. It's like really, you know, grabbing life by the horns and taking control. And, um, you know, like, like you were saying, like, stepping outside of your comfort zone. But so many people don't do it. You know, I mean, so many people stuck in this rut because, you know, they make they make some great money doing what they did, but they're not happy. And then, you know, they meet someone like us three and they're like, oh my God, I wish I could do it. You guys are laughing. You're having so much fun, you know, but some people don't get that chance. Well, this is also a moment in time because, right, we've all been on a journey of life together where, you know, we've had many ups and downs. And now all of those experiences have has led us to this point right now where we can laugh. We can share this moment where, you know, this forum where we can tell stories about Deborah's, you know, past and your entrepreneurial spirit and, and everything that you Serena put out M there. Shirt. Don't forget my Serena M shirt. Yeah. I mean, it's just about harnessing your passion at the end of the day, right? It definitely is because I believe that, you know, a passion is also like, it could be aspirational, right? You know, it's, it's something that you aspire to, to want and how do you get there? And sometimes the path is like, you know, windy and is not straight at all. But um, as long as like, you know, that, that passion is there that fuels you, that it, that's ignited, then you keep going. I think for sure someone from the podcast audience will hear Deborah and Deborah's story and be ignited and feel energized to do something with their life. I got that from listening. So, oh, so can, um, can our, okay. So we have such a diverse group of listeners. 
So for those out there that do have a, you know, that are in wellness or fitness companies, you know, they're, they're fitness minded, how can people work with you? What are those opportunities, Deborah? Yeah, well, listen, um, I am most active on LinkedIn. And so I try to post frequently, but I do a lot of speaking and I talk about the topics um, on LinkedIn that are that are current and of interest um, to me. So I think number one is follow me on LinkedIn. And if there's something that's relevant or, you know, exciting to you, you know, feel free to shoot me a message and Let's talk about it a little bit um, with regards to like, you know, really working together. Um, I do have a we website where I kind of like break down the types of things that I do, but it comes back to just, you know, what are you doing and can I add value um, and, you know, would it make sense? And then we pretty much find a structure. So I think the best way to kind of go down that path is to get connected on LinkedIn and just develop a relationship, just like anything else, you know, at the end of the day, it's best to work with people that like you like and you respect um, in both directions and to find really good fits. Um, so that's kind of pretty much my process, to be honest with you, because there's no better process than that right now for me. Thank you so much for coming on our show, Deborah. This is just a little snapshot into the wonderful world of Deborah Strugo and um, everything that's led us to, to this point. So thank you so much. Thanks for coming on with that Madonna shirt and that smiley face and that beautiful background. Um, please do follow Deborah and her journey. Uh, Sorry, can I add one thing that I just thought of that I think yeah. that we must say here? So I also, I have a group um, of colleagues that I work with that have complete competencies outside of what I do. And mm -hmm. so one of them basically builds all of the tech for the industry, my colleague Mo. And um, one of them is really, really strong on product and supply chain. One of them is an investment banker that's doing a lot of the deals. Um, we go by Levitate Group. And the reason I want to bring it up is because you know, at the end of the day, like if you are a sole entrepreneur and you're doing things on your own, like it is really, really, really important to find smart people that surround your abilities and who who will challenge you and who don't necessarily think about you, things the exact same way that you do. Right. And so, you know, I, I will never know everything there is noted to tech. And so I just think that that's also a big lesson here. Like as you harness your passion and move forward, like find people that can really, really uh, beyond your friends. I'm talking like in your work professional circle that can really, really support you and plug your holes and complement and supplement what you know and what you do and that you trust and get to know them and spend time getting to know them before you just jump in on that. But it's just a message I wanted to share. So thank you. I really appreciate that because I am definitely in this moment of time and have been my entire career all about strategic partnerships, finding alignment, but also leaning into others that have more experience, just, just not even more. It's just complementary experience. So I absolutely agree with you. And thank you for sharing that. Deborah, thank you so much. Bye. Thank you guys. It's always fun to be with you. Can't wait for more episodes.